Okay, so I've been wished Happy New Year a few different times already today and yesterday and the day before. It's been the, the greeting that uh, people have, have gone back and forth. So Happy New Year uh, to you as well. Um, here's something that I've learned about uh, the New Year transition. It is completely arbitrary. Did you guys notice on Friday morning, nothing actually changed. Um, Friday morning looked a lot like Thursday morning and 2021, I hate to say it, feels a lot like 2020. Um, and of course we all were hoping for a big change, uh, but it is arbitrary. I know this because of a conversation I had in, uh, in the line at Walmart a couple days ago where all the great things happen. Um, and I was um, seated or I, was, um, I had my little cart and I, in front of me was like the chattiest person in the world. And I had the privilege of being behind her as she told me her, her life story, her philosophy on life. She was explaining to me the things in her cart, why she bought them, who they were for. Um, and, but she was telling me that, um, that she was born in, in China um, and that she uh, doesn't celebrate New Year's Eve like everybody else. Uh, that she, along with her whole side of the family, um, they celebrate Chinese New Year, um, which is in February. It, it kind of rotates or it changes a little bit. This year, it's in February. Her husband is Jewish. Um, her husband doesn't celebrate New Year's along with us uh, because he celebrates uh, Rosh Hashanah. Uh, which is their kind of New Year's celebration. Uh, and that one's taking place in around September of, of this year. And so I was learning or I was reminded that this date that we've set in, uh, in January or the end of December, it's, it's just a date. Uh, it might as well be in February. It might as well be in September. But I think there's something that is nice that we have it at some point, that we have an annual rhythm of looking back and then also looking forward. In fact, uh, the word January comes from, I think, a, a, a Greek or a Roman like mythological figure by the name of Janus. Maybe you've seen him. Um, he has one face looking forward and another face uh, looking back. He'd be the perfect parent because he has eyes in the back of his head. Uh, and so January is named after Janus as a time for us to look forward and then also to look back. So as I'm saying, there's no such thing as an actual new year, but cultures around the world throughout time have found value in pausing to look back and then also to look forward. Personally, for me, the end of December has always served me quite well to do that. And, and the reason being is that my birthday is, uh, I'm one of those un unfortunate people who were born in the days around Christmas. My birthday was December 29th. So I, every single year, my birthday is upstaged by the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and so my birthday kind of fades into obscurity. Does anyone else have a birthday, like, recently? Anyone? All right, somebody in the first service did. And uh, I also, actually, let me just say, I can't see any of you. So maybe you're all raising your hand. <laughs> um, so if it's a happy birthday, you're special, you're valuable, you're seen, we love you. Okay, so my birthday is December 29th. And uh, what I've been doing for like the past 10 years, by my birthday tradition, is to go get, get by myself for a few minutes uh, and just meditate through Psalm 90. 
Uh, Psalm 90 is a, a wonderful passage. Um, it's, it speaks about the eternality of God, um, that he is, you know, before the mountains were established, from everlasting, you are God. And it contrasts that with the temporary nature of our human existence, that he is eternal and we are finite. And every year, I just am, it's built into the rhythms of my life that I meditate on the shortness of my life. And then the calendar changes as well. It's an annual double reminder to me. That's one of the, the things that I do. I, I perhaps commend Psalm 90 to you, even this week, whether it's your birthday or not, that it's a good thing to consider as the years keep going, to consider the God who always has been and always will be. A second thing that I do at around this time of the year is I update my pocket stationery. And guys, that actually is really exciting to me. I have, uh, I use this, uh, this notebook uh, called Field Notes. Uh, maybe you're familiar with them, maybe you're not. Uh, but I, I use this, uh, I keep this in my pocket, and it's my planner. I, I write down everything that takes place. I kind of live my life um, through this book. I think there's a picture there. Um, so if you could see on the screen or in my hand, can you guys guess which one of these lived through 2020? And which one of these is brand new? Even if I mix it up, I think you could still, you could still get it. Uh, one of these has been just worn thin, has been worn out, is held together with staples and tape. It has layers and layers of dirt and wear. This is the one that's lived through the year that you and I have experienced, and this is the brand new one. The new one comes with no dates written in there. It's just got like empty spots. And so I have to sit down and manually write out January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd. And I, I just find that, that ritual, that slowing down and considering the moments, the days, the weeks that are ahead of me, and then also considering the moments, days, weeks, and, and months that made up last year. Um, more often than not, I, I think of lines like the ones that we sang together. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. To reflect back on the previous year and then also to look forward to the next. And as I look back and as we look back, uh, I could just say something, and I don't think it's too controversial. Sometimes preachers say controversial things. Sometimes preachers say easy things. You tell me what about this one. 2020 was a really hard year. Controversial or not? <laughs> um, all of us have unique stories about how we've experienced the past 12 months. Um, and I know that it hasn't been easy, I'm going to assume, for any of us. Um, but I have the microphone, so I get to talk right now. <laughs> I'd love to hear the stories of how 2020 was challenging for you. Um, but for me, uh, a challenge of 2020 is that myself, and every other pastor and preacher on the face of the planet was forced to become a reluctant YouTuber. Um, I didn't sign up to be a internet preacher. Um, in fact, usually the highlight of my week is, is rhythms like this, of, of seeing the faces and the congregation that make up Calvary Cork, being able to speak God's word to them. Uh, and that was taken from me in early March of 2020, and the congregation was removed, and a video camera takes their place. And I have to sit down and awkwardly stare into a video camera and preach to nobody. Um, 
in Ireland, their lockdown started in the beginning of March and was, was very strict. They're actually, you know, it was like police checkpoints where you have to give evidence to prove that you're allowed to journey more than uh, two miles from your house. Um, that began back in March and continued up until July. Uh, where then we're able to have very small meetings of under 50 people. Everyone had to, to register. And then started again in early October. And that lockdown has basically gone since then. There was a very brief reprieve around Christmas time. And then as of December 26th, lockdown part three um, has begun in Ireland. Um, so that's been a challenge. So I'm in America right now, but I'm, I'm actually working remotely. I've been recording sermons from a different couch and sending them back to my YouTube channel, aka what used to be a wonderful, thriving church. Uh, it's been a challenging year for anyone in any form of leadership. I don't want to say pastors have it harder than everybody else. I can think of other people that have experienced this quite harder. But we make plans. All of us have made plans and then have to change them at a, at a moment's notice. Um, I've never used the word pivot so much as I have in 2020. All right, guys, we're going to do this. All right, guys, we're going to pivot. We're going to do this instead. <clears throat> uh, 2020, uh, 2020 was the year that my mother died, um, and it was also the year that we didn't get to have a funeral for her. Um, 2020 uh, was, yeah, and it, it, still is, it still is hard. Um, yeah, 2020 was the year that uh, four-fifths of my, my family, my household, got COVID. Um, 2020 was the year that I confirmed a long-held suspicion um, that I don't like having Q-tips jammed into my nose by strangers for 15 seconds. Um, I've had, I think, seven or eight um, COVID tests um, as it's come through my family in different times and even as, as traveling. I've had those tests over and over again. 2020 was the year that I was uh, on a diet, and I did great. I lost so much weight, and then I found all of it all over again. Um, so I've heard the phrase, and I wonder, has anyone else got the, the quarantine 15? <laughs> um, I, I, and I, I can one-up you. I've got the 2020-20. <laughs> so this is also the year that my, my gray hair really started to, to come in. And then finally... Um, as I mentioned, I'm, in, I'm from Fallbrook, and I spent Fallbrook, sorry, I spent Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve at my dad's house um, looking out and seeing this, like, plume of smoke from the Fallbrook fire from Christmas Eve. Maybe, maybe you can remember that. And realizing that we're, like, almost on the border of the evacuation uh, zone and, and checking the news and then seeing, like, good grief, are we going to be evacuated from our house because of a fire on Christmas Eve? And then kind of thinking, like, of course we will. Like, how else could this year end? And they were able to, to contain it. But I remember, like, just on Christmas Eve, like, watching the, the um, helicopters dropping water on it and just thinking, could there be any better way to end such a terrible year? So this is a year, 2020, when a lot of the Christian cliches just didn't really ring true. In my life, I'll be honest, I was not too blessed to be stressed. Um, in 2020, I, I was blessed in the heavenly places, and I was also really stressed on earth. Um, so again, not just me, most of us have had pretty bad years. There's a lot of memes and cultural commentary come out, like joking about how 2020 is trying to kill us all or ruin all of our lives. Um, I have a final quote um, from a journalist, and then, and then we'll get into Philippians 3. Um, so you can be turning there as I... Uh, read this from Bibiana Campos Sejo. 
she says this, I'm pretty confident that I'm not alone when I say I'll be glad to wave goodbye to 2020. Uh, this anus horribilis, let me pause there. Who speaks Latin? Who can translate anus horribilis? Horrible year, yes. Anus horribilis means horrible year. There are a bunch of scholars here. This anus horribilis gave us a global pandemic, a financial crisis. It laid bare racial inequalities. It's probably fair to say this has been one of the worst years in recent history, with COVID-19 registering more than 1.6 million deaths and 74.3 million cases worldwide as of December 17th, according to the New York Times. Many countries are in lockdown. Some, like Germany and Ireland recently announced more restrictive measures as the number of infections and deaths reached new records and struggling with rising unemployment levels. Could 2021 possibly be worse? It's difficult to imagine. I certainly hope it isn't. And then in the rest of the article, she goes on to list some of the reasons that she has for optimism about the next 12 months. But here's what I say. 2020 was not our enemy. And 2020 was not the real problem, nor is 2021 our savior, nor is 2021 the solution. Um, this moment that we're in is an opportunity to reflect, to reassess the previous year, and with the help of God, to resolve to make positive changes for the future. And so if I were to title today's sermon, it'd be Resolve. We see the Apostle Paul making, having some resolves in his life. And this is a time for resolutions. So we're going to see what he resolved to do. So as we look at Philippians 3, verses 12 and following, we see the Apostle Paul speaks about some resolutions that he's made. And perhaps the Spirit of God would prompt you to make some similar resolutions here on this Sunday the first Sunday of 2021. Okay, here is the first resolution that he makes. And the resolution is to be unsatisfied. Let's, let's look at it together. Because I've been telling my kids all last week to please be satisfied with the gifts they've been, the bow and arrow, the stuffed animals, the books, all the gifts that they've been given, but they're bored already. So I've been telling them all week long, would you just be satisfied? And now here I am to tell you to be unsatisfied. And the reason why I do that is because I believe Paul is unsatisfied and that should transfer over to you. Let's look at God's word together, verses 12 and 13. Not that I've already obtained this, or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I'm just going to keep going. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. The NIV renders this verse, I know that I have not already arrived at my goal. I consider myself that I have not yet taken hold of it. 
So Paul, the apostle, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, the one who is responsible for pushing the gospel and the, the, the church of Christ out deep into the Gentile world, he admits towards the end of his life that he hasn't arrived at the level of maturity or the apprehension of the gospel or the, the clutching of Christ Jesus. He hasn't arrived to what he wants to be. Does that surprise you? This is Paul here. And then also, not only was he unsatisfied with his level of spiritual maturity, I'm telling you that to some degree, you shouldn't be satisfied with yours either. So the reason why I say this, and I want to be careful here, because there is this like negative, pessimistic, destructive self-loathing. And my friends, I am not telling you that. But there also is this holy sense of dissatisfaction and self-awareness that men and women of God rightly possess. Uh, realizing that I have been saved by grace through faith. I am totally forgiven, declared righteous before the holy God. Absolutely. And yet, there is a gradual, growing righteousness that should and could and can be present in my life. And my friends, I'll be honest, sometimes it just feels a little bit too gradual, right? Like there's that instant forgiveness. The moment that a person turns to Christ and says, I repent of my sins and I ask you to save me, he forgives you on the spot instantly, fully, freely, forever forgiven. And that could happen for you today. And for the rest of us, that have already been forgiven, there is this ongoing process called sanctification of gradually growing in righteousness. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not there yet. To some degree, I'm unsatisfied with how far that I've gotten. And you know, if you think that you have arrived, that you somehow have gotten further than the Apostle Paul, um, maybe just ask an honest friend or family member. And they'll tell you <laughs> that there's still room for growth. Only the shallowest of Christians think that they're nailing it all the time. No one can reach perfection this side of heaven. Um, imperfection should drive us onward. Self-satisfaction is a barrier to growth and maturity. So Paul resolved, and I would say let us resolve to soberly assess our spiritual state in light of the past year? Are you closer to Jesus after this anus horribilis that we've been through? Have you allowed the challenges of 2020 to push you and form you into a more mature disciple, or did you shrink back into complacency and unbelief? I'll just let that hang for a second. Or if Pastor Ted was here, he'd say, let's take a walk with that but I don't walk, I stand. <laughs> Paul is resolved to be unsatisfied with his current state, but yet also he is undistracted in his pursuit of growth and progress. Verse 13, let me read it again. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. The apostle Paul had a he resolved to have a clear concentration in his life. There's one thing that he's interested in. And he wants to be 
undistracted in that pursuit. And I'll be honest, I was looking forward to coming here. And when I, when I heard that Pastor Ted was going through the Gospel of John, I was so excited because I'm going through the Gospel of John at my church in Calvary Cork, and I'm a few weeks ahead of him. And so I was looking forward to, be, to having, you know, an old sermon I could dust off and, and present to you guys, and I was really looking forward to that. But, you know, the Lord moved on my heart to, to do Philippians 3. And do you know how? When Pastor Ted told me to do Philippians 3, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And so while I was hoping to just reheat some leftovers for you, I was kind of compelled or kind of forced to, to dig into this so much. And I really enjoyed the, the preparation process and mulling over even this phrase, one thing. This phrase shows up at some key moments in, in the Bible's story. And I think one of these days, I'd love to do like a five-week series on this. I'd love to do a talk about the rich young ruler who comes before Jesus and he says, you know, I've done all of these acts of righteousness and, and you should accept me because of my righteous acts. Won't God accept me because of what I've done? Jesus says, there's one thing that you lack. And, or I'd love to talk about like Mary and Martha and, and the, the time they hosted Jesus in their home and, and, and one's in the kitchen and the other one's sitting there listening. And, and, and after there's the complaint, Jesus says, you know, there's one thing that's necessary. That's the greater bit. Or I'd love to talk about the, the blind man in John chapter 8, the man who was born blind and he, he received his sight and then he was kind of apprehended by the religious authorities and they say, who did this? And tell us everything and, and give an explanation for yourself. And he says, hey, listen, there's, there's a lot I don't know, but there's one thing that I know. I once was blind, but now I see. Or finally, David he says, one thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And then I would end, my final sermon would be on this verse. The Apostle Paul says, there's one thing that I'm pursuing. My final days, I want to live my days towards this one thing, forgetting what's behind and focusing on this. Do you know all the, the, the successful people, those that are thriving in, in business or family life, they, they have a few things that they focus on. Um, they, or even the most successful, often there's one thing that they dial in on. The temptation in 2020, and also every year, but especially 2020, is to spread ourselves too thin across too many projects, to attempt to do too many things at once to try to parent while also on a Zoom call, uh, to, to, to keep up on the latest news while also being engaged uh, with those that are around you. That's something that I didn't do great in 2020. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, I want to be focused. I think of Nehemiah, who is building the wall, and he was other people were compelling him or trying to get him to stop, and he says, listen, God's called me to this, and I'm going to complete this task. The ability to say no to smaller things determines your capacity to say yes to the great things that God's called you to. So Paul resolved to be undistracted, and then also he resolved to be unilateral. Unilateral. Let me just also say, have you noticed that preachers, whenever they have like lots of lists of the same letter, 
there usually is like that one weird word. <laughs> and that just means that we've had to use the concordance to find something that says what we want to say that starts with the same letter. Unilateral means going in the same direction. That's what Paul says. Look again in verse 13. He says, one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain forward to what is ahead. There's a, a well-known Christian book by Eugene Peterson. The title, I love the title. The title is Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a book about like Christian leadership and Christian maturity and discipleship. And he says, it's just you go in the same direction and you don't quit. You know, it's good to go in the same direction as long as it's the right direction. And the Apostle Paul says, I don't want to go backwards and I do want to go forwards. Uh, that means for you entering into 2021, it means there's some things that you're going to have to forget what lies behind in order to pursue what lies ahead. When the Bible speaks about forgetting, it often means to no longer let it influence your present or your future actions. And certainly, of course, that's what it means when it speaks about God forgetting things. You know, Psalm 25 and elsewhere, uh, it says, remember not the sins of my youth. Now, now, God is omniscient. He is eternally wise, and in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He never forgets anything, but he doesn't. He chooses not to bring something to the forefront of his mind. And it certainly means that the way that he views the forgiven sinner, you and I, is not based upon the sins of the past, the forgiven sins of the past. When God forgets something, it means that your present and your future is not based on the forgiven sins of your past. There are some things in the past 12 months that you should forget as well. Uh, for me personally, uh, kind of as a perfectionist, or if this means anything to you, I'm told that I'm an Enneagram One, um, which means that I am aware of the things that need to be changed, uh, both out there and a lot of them in here. I'm very aware of my failings. Uh, but here's what I need to do, and here's what you are invited to do, to draw a line even right now, even today, even on the first Sunday of 2021, because your backstory is not your final word. Or I could say your origin story is not your whole story. Uh, we should learn from our mistakes, absolutely. We should be aware of our mistakes, but we should not obsess over them, as I am prone to. We can say, I'm going to, with the help of God, no longer fixate on this. Um, God does not want you, and hear this, fellow perfectionists, God doesn't want you to brand yourself as nothing more than a failure. Uh, we have baggage, we all do, but that doesn't necessarily limit ministry, but it could even open doors to future opportunities. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Paul speaks about the comfort that he's received from God. He's able to extend and give to others. So, there's some things that we should forget. We should stop fixating on and move forward. And of course, let me also just say this here. There's some things that we've learned in the past 12 months that we should never forget, right? Like we should really have it in the forefront of our mind next year and every year. You know, the importance of, of family 
and, and togetherness and, and even like caring for our neighbors. There's been so many inspiring stories of, of people that are looking out for others. You know, of course, even the, the value and the dignity of, of every person. These are lessons that we should learn. Another lesson we should learn is that you should never, ever eat a bat. So, we don't want to just look back at our past mistakes. That's kind of an obvious application of verse 13. Here, here's something else. We also don't want to just only look back on our past victories. Uh, not in a gloating, boastful, proud sort of way. I think that kind of fits the context of Philippians chapter 3. The first half of this chapter, the Apostle Paul says, I was, I was doing so good, this and this and this and this and this. But he says, I forget not just my sins of my youth, but also the religious performance of my past. Some of those things need to be forgotten as well. You don't want to be like Napoleon Dynamite's Uncle Rico, who constantly was reliving the glory days back in 82. Um, that's not what we want to do. We want to thank the Lord for what he's done, but also depend on him afresh for new steps of faith into a new year. God is active in the past, but he doesn't live there. He's here now. So we forget those things behind and we press forward to the future. We don't look back. We do look forward. Uh, Tony Evans makes a great point about the architecture of your car. So you'll remember this in a few minutes when you get in your car to, to drive away and you're saying, honey, wasn't that a great sermon? When you say that, you'll, you'll notice that in your car, there is a rear view min, rear, see, I'm used to preaching to a video camera. So if I make a mistake, I just stop and rewind and try again, but I have to, so there's a rear view mirror, right? And it's small because you're meant to glance at it to see what's behind you. And there's the windshield, which is big because we're meant to go forward. He says this, the windshield's bigger than the rearview mirror because for the follower of Jesus, where we're going is a whole lot better than where we've been. And so I could say this, you know, 2020 was an anus horribilis. It was a horrible year. But Christian, because of Jesus, your future is incredibly bright. And guys, I'm not an optimist. I'm not saying 2021 is going to be your year to crush your goals and meet all your things. That's not what I'm saying. I hope it is. I hope you do great. I hope you flourish in 2021. But I could say, even if you don't, your future is incredibly bright because Jesus says that he has sent his spirit to dwell with us and to empower us, to comfort and to strengthen us in this coming year. He also has said, John, you'll get there in John's gospel eventually, that he has gone to prepare a place for you. My friends, that is incredibly bright. That will be wonderful and good. He goes to prepare a place for you. And, and in ages to come, you, because of Jesus, will live in a sinless, deathless body, enjoying the new heavens and the new earth that he has prepared for you. I mean, we sang this earlier, didn't we? I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. For endless days, we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord, our God. Did you believe that? That's incredibly bright. Because of Jesus, your future is incredibly bright. Fourthly, finally, 
briefly, let me just say the fourth resolve that Paul shows in this passage, and that's in verse 14. Verse 14 says this, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. He resolves to be unwavering. And I'm told, this could be translated just this way, the things behind, I'm forgetting. The things before, I'm stretching. There is this image that Paul seems to be borrowing from the world of athletics, of, of the athlete. You know, think of the, the, the runner, and she's running towards the goal. And, and she is reaching her hand out and stretching to be the first person to cross the finish line. Or Lightning McQueen, sticking his tongue out to get across the finish line first, just depending on, on what kind of uh, sports fan uh, you are. There's this athletic imagery of stretching out. And Paul says, I want to stretch out. He uses the same Greek word in verse 6 of chapter 3, speaking about that he previously oppressed and was violent towards the church of Christ. Now he uses that same image to say, but now I'm stretching myself out to be obedient to what Jesus Christ has called me to. He's unwavering. I press on. I stretch out. And so, we come back to, to where we started. We come back to my, my stationery, which I don't know about you, but I'm excited about my stationery. But whether you are like tattered and worn out, if you're stapled shut, if, you're, if you've been through quite a year, or if you are brand shiny and new, if you're wearing your new Christmas socks today and if you're just feeling great, if 2020 has been an incredible, if you've like sell hand sanitizer or something and like this has been the best year ever, like no matter what, I think, I think Philippians 3 speaks to us. I think the, the resolve of Paul carries over and can be to you. Uh, this week can be a week that we just, you know, update our stationery. We buy a new calendar and put it on the wall. Um, we could flip a page in it. Or it could be a week that we change our lives forever. Yeah, some people are talking about turning over a new leaf. Uh, yeah, that's great. But what about starting a new life? Uh, we could start a new year or we can experience the new birth that Jesus offers. Now, the last few minutes, I have the really great news of just telling you the good news about Jesus. Uh, because our goal it's not to be amazing for Jesus, but it's to be amazed by Jesus. I've spoken a lot about our resolve, that we should have a resolve to be unwavering and, and, and pursuing and, and reaching out. It's great to make resolutions, and it's great to be resolved, but I am so glad that not at the end of a year, but at the end of a life, what matters most is not my resolve for Jesus, but his resolve for me. It's easy to, to beat yourself up at the end of the year, um, but allow these words from Matt Smethurst to encourage you. He says, a Christian isn't someone who never falls, but someone who clings to the Christ who never did. Or Brennan Manning speaks about the gospel is good news for the bedraggled, for the beat up, 
and for the burnt out. Jesus Christ was resolved to accomplish his goals. Hebrews chapter 12 uh, speaks about him as the one who endured the cross, uh, despising its shame, but accomplishing it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and despised the shame. He was resolved to go to the cross to offer his life as a substitute for the life of sinful men and women and boys and girls. He was resolved to finish his task. He was undistracted. The words of Peter, the temptations of Satan, they didn't keep him from his focus. Nope, there's people to save. I'm resolved to go. He was undistracted. He strained forward for you. And as we think about the athlete reaching out her hand, we also think of the Savior stretching out both hands to accomplish his goal, which is the salvation of sinners like me and you. And so I encourage you to place your trust in him to say, Jesus, I couldn't even keep last year's resolutions. What makes me think that I'm able to save my own soul? But Christ, I look to you. Would you forgive me? Would you welcome me into your family? I invite you to place your trust in him if you haven't now. If you're here because of a New Year's resolution to come to church more, man, I got good news for you. He offers you more than just membership in a church, but a new life. So I invite you to trust in Christ now. And for the rest of us, I do want to say, in fact, I want to lead you in, in a prayer. I'm going to read a prayer from an old book called The Valley of Vision. It's a book of Puritan prayers. So there's some these and thous in there. But I mean, it's more holy sounding if you do that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this, this book, this prayer is called New Year. And I think it's a great thing. Let me just like to pray this over you. And here's, here's something else. We talk about pressing on. We talk about how he used this language of the athlete, you know, stretching the arm out. I invite you, like, to stretch your arm out, to, pl- to raise your arm as you want to say, you know what, Christ stretched out his arm for me. I want to press on. So I invite you, if you like to, to stretch your arm out as a sign of, yes, I want this. So join me in prayer. Oh, Lord, length of days does not profit me, except the days are passed in thy presence, in thy service, to thy glory. Give me a grace that precedes, follows, guides, sustains, sanctifies, aids every hour, that I may not be one moment apart from thee, but may rely on thy spirit to supply every thought, speak in every word, direct every step, prosper every work, build up every mote of faith, and give me a desire to show forth thy praise testify thy love, advance thy kingdom. I launch my ship onto the unknown waters of this year with thee, O Father, as my harbor, thee, O Son, at my helm, thee, O Holy Spirit, filling my sails. Guide me to heaven with my loins girt, my lamp burning, my ear open to thy calls, my heart full of love, my soul free. Give me thy grace to sanctify me, thy comforts to cheer, thy wisdom to guide, thy counsel to instruct, thy law to judge, thy presence to stabilize. May thy fear be my awe 
and thy triumph my joy.